Hello everyone, and thank you for joining me on today's episode of Everything Star Wars. Today, in addition to my Tuesday news segment, I will be talking about some very cool games in the Star Wars universe. Not video games in our universe, but actual gambling betting games in the Star Wars universe. You might be familiar with some of these, but I doubt you know all the intricacies of these. So make sure to stay tuned for that. But right now, let's go to the news. Tuesday News Day. Alright, here we are with today's Newsday segment of today's Tuesday episode. Not a lot of news for y'all this week, but hopefully we'll get some cool Book of Boba Fett news in the future. For now, we'll have to settle with some pretty cool things that uh, Star Wars has released. And one of those is, uh, if you want to check it out, go to the StarWars.com Kids YouTube channel. They've been releasing a couple shorts uh, recently, so that's pretty cool. Check that out if you're interested. And if you are a comic book reader, or if you've just been interested in following the comics that I've been reading on here, the War of the Bounty Hunter comics, that ended this month, and you will be pleasantly surprised to know that it is only the first installment in a trilogy. So three parts. The first part was The War of the Bounty Hunters. The next part is The Crimson Rain, and that's going to be coming out in November, I believe. And then Hidden Empire is the third part, and that'll be coming out sometime in 2022. Now, I am very hyped for all this, and I hope y'all are too. I will be trying to collect those as well so I can read them just for y'all. But if not, I'm sorry. You'll have to check them out yourselves. I think that's all the news we have for today, though, but since I spent so much of uh, my last episode talking about games in our universe, talking about all the new video games coming out and all that good stuff, I am going to be spending today's episode talking about some games in the galaxy, specifically some games that Han Solo and Lando Calrissian and all those cool guys were known to play. So without further ado, and by without further ado, I mean with an ad. Let's begin. Alright, let's jump right in with Sabacc. Sabacc you probably have heard of. It is a very common game, as one pirate says to another, but everyone loves Sabacc. It's like the game of the galaxy. You also probably know Sabacc. This is the game played in solo frequently. That was a specific version of Sabacc, a more simplified version called Corellian Spike. Still very intense, but I'm going to be talking about the, uh, I guess you could say the real version or the more uh, common version, just Sabacc. This was very popular card game with, of course, lots of variations. And... They all pretty much revolve around the same principle. In Sabacc, you are trying to get a hand of cards that total a maximum of 23. The closer you are to 23, the better. Now, this is similar to another card game I'm going to talk about, but there are some key differences as well. So in this, this one is a lot more like your standard Texas Hold'em poker. You're trying to uh, bet each round, try and get more money, try and convince your opponents you have a better hand than them, whether or not you do, and... The tricky thing about this, though, was that the cards usually in professional games were electronic, and there might be, who knows, a part in the match, completely random, where the cards would shift 
and they would become different cards. So potentially ruining your hand or potentially saving you, as in some cases with Han Solo specifically. And these were just, this is a very cool game. Now, there were 76 cards as opposed to our 54 or 52 deck, if you don't want to include the Jokers. But this was a 76 deck cards. Uh, uh, 60 cards in four suits of flasks, sabers, staves, and coins. Those are the four suits. And 15 numbers. So, you know, 16 uh, 15 times 4, 60, so 60 cards like that. They were numbered uh, 1 through 11, plus a commander, numbered 12, a mistress, numbered 13, a master, numbered 14, and an ace, numbered 15. So you had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and then commander, mistress, master, and ace. So all of uh, different suits. They might be sa flasks, sabers, staves, or coins. And then the other 16 cards were two sets of eight special cards. One was called Balance, which was numbered 11. Another was called The Idiot, which comes in uh, in a very important play, or a very important hand. And that was numbered 0, so it did not change your hand at all. Uh, Endurance was no another one, uh, numbered at negative 8. Moderation, uh, negative 14. The Evil One, negative 15. The Queen of Air and Darkness, negative 2, Demise, negative 13, and The Star, either negative 10 or negative 17. So this was a game, of course, like poker, of both skill and chance. That could be played really with as many of, uh, as, as few as two players or as up to eight players, you know, ideally. And there would be a dealer, and he would deal the cards, and then all the players would... Uh, go through their betting phases and drawing phases and all that. And what they were trying to win was one of two pots, or potentially both pots. But one pot was the hand pot, which is taken by the player who wins individual hands. So like each round, uh, there'd be a winner of each round. But there's also a sabak pot. And the sabak pot would be continually built during the game until someone got, I believe, a pure sabak. And when that happened, when someone got a pure sabak, they would win, of course, the hand, because pure sabak's pretty much the highest. Only thing higher than that is the idiot's array. But once you won the pure sabak, you would get, and if you won, you would get the hand pot and the sabak pot. So the dealer would start by shuffling the deck before dealing one card to each player, including himself, of course, if they were still in. Then he would, of course, repeat it again until everyone had two cards. And this is just like Texas Hold'em, if you are familiar with that poker game. And what's, yeah, so what was really cool about these cards was that they were usually electronic, so that the value might change from time to time, which is devastating or saving. <laughs> it really does change. So then starting to the dealer's left, of course, each player could choose to draw one or more cards from the deck, then choose to trade a card from their hand for one from the deck, or stand. They could always, you can always stand. They could then choose to place a single card in the game's table interference field, in the game table's interference field, to prevent that card from being shifted if a sabak shift occurred. Now, if a sabak shift did occur, all the cards that were not locked in the interference field randomly changed suits and value. That was the hand for the player's, that was the new hand for the player's hand for the round. So that could be devastating, like I said. But 
It could also be very helpful. If you do, if you have a really bad card that's just ruining your hand that can make you bomb out, meaning you're either over or under negative or over 23 or under negative 23, uh, that could be devastating. But if a Sabak shift occurred, then all these cards not locked in would be changed. And it would change to a completely new card. So say you had the two of staves, it might get shifted to the commander of sabers. And, you know, that could be crazy. Like, that would be awesome if we had that kind of thing in poker. It would make the game a lot more random. And just very cool. Very fun, I think. Now, it would also completely change the gameplay, but we'll not get into that right now. Now that, you know, this same process was repeated by each player, ending with the dealer. So, you know, either betting, drawing, or um, picking up new cards. So then each, after everyone did that, then each player would call out his or her final hands total. And the player with the highest hand, totaling 23 or below, won the round. So then, of course, um, the alternative is getting the lowest hand, totaling negative 23 or below, or, uh, or above, technically, right? So positive always beat negative if there was a tie, but a negative 23 would beat a positive 22. Or, you know, a, a negative 22 would beat a positive 21. Whoever got closer to one of those extremes uh, would win. So then, of course, Corellian Spike was the version we see played in solo, and this was essentially the same concept, a lot more simplistic, there weren't as many cards, and, um, they, yes, they were, uh, instead of, they were not electronic, they were just like normal cards, and instead of having a shifter, there would just be rolling of dice, and that was very cool too. And if you rolled the same number on both dice, then it every, everything shifted, and dice would be rolled every turn, which made it a lot more, potentially a lot more frequent. And that was just very cool. All right, so the next game is Pazak. And Pazak, you might not know a lot about Pazak. That's because it was mostly more common in the Old Republic era. Still a very cool game, similar in some senses to Blackjack. But you're not playing against the house. You're still playing against another opponent. And this really was a two-player game. Um, basically, the goal would be get as close to 20 without going over. And this was similar to Sabak in that case. But there's no negative numbers or anything like that. And uh, it would be a lot more random. Because you would bet at the beginning of the round, at the beginning of the game. And then throughout the game, what would happen was... Uh, cards would be flipped over, basically, from a deck, and just one at a time per turn. And it'd be completely random like that. So you might flip over an 8 on your turn, then your opponent flips over a 9 on his turn, then you flip over a 10, so you're at 18, right? That might be when you want to stand. On each of your turns, you can either flip over a new card or stand. Uh, And, yeah, that was... And then, so, of course, if you had 18, you probably wouldn't want to... Uh, continue to flip over cards because at that point, really, you have a very low chance of not going over 20, and that could be very dangerous. But what made this game not completely random in chance was that you had a kind of side deck that you could choose cards from, and there would be four cards face up that you could use at any point during the game, and it was basically a best of three matches, usually. Best of three. So, say you uh, had 18, right? And then your opponent flips over their next card, and they get 
uh, 15 and they want to risk it, so they flip over the next one, but it's 21, then you win the set because they they went over 20. They lost. But say your opponent had a card in his hand that was a negative one card, and if they had a negative one card and played it then, they would have won because they would have had a perfect 20 and you would have only had an 18. So you can play uh, your your side deck hands basically uh, once per turn whenever uh, you felt like you needed to. So that could be anything from a minus two or a plus five or a plus two minus five, which those were good cards if you had a plus and or minus. And the there were also cards that changed the value of other cards. And those, those, were, those were a lot more technical. So this game could get very technical, but it was never about... It was never really about scale. It was about who had better cards in their side hand and just who got who had better who had the better luck, I guess you could put it. Um, which is, you know, interesting. And all the betting was done beforehand, so it was not about bluffing or anything like that. It was about just whoever had the best hand, uh, best out of three. And or not sorry, not best out of three. First one to get three. The you had whoever got three first. So I guess that's best out of five. Yeah. Best out of five. Whoever got three first won. And it was a very cool game. You can play it in the Knights of the Old Republic game. That's one of the classic games in that. It's, it's, it's a mini game in the larger game, which is just very cool. Uh, and that's a lot of fun. It's a very good way to lose a lot of credits and uh, potentially potentially win a lot of credits, but usually you, you lose more than you win. I don't recommend playing Pazak in KOTOR if you ever have the opportunity. Now... On to the last game that I want to talk about today, Click Clack. Now, Click Clack is by far the most unusual of these games, and unorthodox, you could put it. This was also a two-player game, and it the concept of the game was very interesting. I've played, well, I've tried to play kind of version of it that I came up with based off of these rules, very similar, but with, of course, like a standard deck of cards. And the concept works, I think. Uh, but you really do need to be very good at the game to play it well. And I, I mean, that sounds obvious, but this isn't something... Well, I'll explain. So the game is uh, you sit down with your opponent, and you each get a card. They would get it. They would get a card from just a typical Sabak deck, and it would be a numbered card. So the goal of the game was to try and figure out uh, whether your opponent's card was higher or lower than your own card. And then at the end, you would place your bet based on whether you thought their card was higher or lower. And there would be a button on the table that would uh, say whether or not, or whether you thought your their card was higher or lower. And the game was, you just sit down with the person, and for 10 minutes, you talk with them. And you just have a conversation with them. And just try and uh, figure them out. What clever players would do, particularly shrewd players, and this is what I was trying to say before, these guys would figure out what your card was, or whether it was a high card or a low card, by dropping subtle clues in what they were saying. So subtle references to um, uh, high or low or above or beneath or things like that. Drop words like that in what they were saying to try and get a reaction from their opponent. And this works very well, I think. I mean, this was, it was very cool when I tried to play it the other day. Um, but, but 
The tricky part was not giving away what your card was. So when I was playing my version of the game, which is very similar, practically identical, as close as it could be, um, my opponent very well baited me, I will admit. He baited me into revealing essentially what I had. Whether It was a high card. Um, so he, did get, he gave that away, though. He gave away that he knew what my card was. And that, of course, in turn, let me know what his card was. So the point of the game is to be as sneaky as you can while figuring out your opponent. And Lando Calrissian, while he was playing, uh, basically said that if you don't finish the game by coming to a full understanding or a fuller understanding of your opponent, then you haven't really won. The point of the game is to figure out your opponent, to try and come to a better understanding of them. And that's just a very cool concept, especially for this game. Because when Lando was playing in a most memorable occasion, he was playing against uh, this species that was very rare and hard to read because they were so rare. Now, of course, Lando's a human, so he's very easy to read because, you know, theoretically, because humans are the most popular, uh, po populous, excuse me, species in the galaxy. Probably not the most popular. Um, but that was, it was very cool. It's in a short story. Uh, called The Angle. It's in one of the 40 short stories from, from a certain point of view. And it just it's about Lando playing this game of Click Clack. And it's just a very cool story. I would highly recommend. Very good book. 40 short, uh, 40 short stories for, uh, from a certain point of view. And uh, yeah, this was a very cool game. Now, if it was a tie, if Click Clack was a tie, then the result was a push. So neither got their money. Uh, but the house, the casino, still collected their 10% fee. So really a tie was the worst possible outcome. You had to force your opponent to think you had kind of the opposite of what you did have. So if you had a high card, you would want your opponent to think you had a low card while also figuring out that your opponent had whatever card they did have. So say your opponent has a low card and you have a high card. You want to figure out that your opponent has a low card, but also convince them that you have a low card so that they'll... But it's it's very complex because then they'll think that uh, either your card is slightly higher or slightly lower. It's it's tricky because if they have a low card, they're obviously going to bet high, unless you can really convince them that either your card is tied with theirs or it is lower. Like maybe you have one lower than them, and that's that's how it gets very tricky. But it can be done by professionals. So you're either very good at this game or you're very bad and you're just guessing. <laughs> and that's what I was trying to say at the beginning. You have to be good to be good at the game. You have to be a professional to be very good at the game. And of course, Lando Calrissian is probably the most professional card player out of any of these games throughout the galaxy. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed talking about all these different games. I thought that these, these were all very fascinating. And if you thought they were fascinating, make sure to let me know. Uh, I want to know what you want to hear, you know, and make sure to subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is you're listening. I'm sure, I know there are a lot of y'all out there who don't listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So, you know, wherever you may listen, hit that subscribe button. I appreciate it. And of course, email me with your questions, comments, episode requests, suggestions, whatever you have. I want to hear it at my email, which is in the podcast description and in the episode description. And until next time, may the force be with you.